0: Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Eero. Yay! I'm Simone Rochefort. I pronounce my name weirdly. I don't know why. And I'm here today, as always, with Christina Warren and Brianna Wu. And before we get into any of our topics today, <laughs> I'm going to throw to Brianna, a oh, person God. I respect and adore.
1: Y'all, it has been the worst day. This has been one of the worst days of my life. Oh, my goodness. So um, we're recording on Tuesday. My campaign put out a, uh, a statement today. Um, basically, I am making the decision to withdraw from uh, my race for Congress. And it's it's very straightforward why, why it's coronavirus. Um yeah, you know, fundraising has been really, really strong. And you know, we have the financial resources we need to win. We have the canvassing team that we need to win. But uh the truth is, um you just cannot win an election if you can't go talk to voters in person. It's just not possible to do. Uh, today our state extended uh the lockdown uh through the end of May, basically. So, you know, I'm asking myself, like, is the math correct that even if the lockdown completely go like is taken off, we can get out there in June, get going. Is it reasonable that I could go knock and my team could knock on 70,000 doors um, in three months? And we've got a great team, but it's just not feasible. And I, I, I keep asking myself, OK, what if I'm sending people out? to places where they could catch coronavirus? How would I feel if they got sick? How would I feel if they died? How would I feel if someone that was going out to vote for me um, died because of that? So, you know, this is a decision of really putting my values into action. Um, The thing I'm proudest of in this campaign is I, I never let it change who I am. I've never made a call I am embarrassed by And I think for 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 me to stay the person I am and to stay consistent with my values, I've got to let the campaign stop here. So that's what I'm deciding to do. Yeah,
0: it's so frustrating and disappointing. But I think you're absolutely right that this is put it. This is standing by your word and what you standing by what you stand for. I'm smart. I'm a podcaster. (laughs) Um, I'm so proud of you for getting this far and having the resources that you need to win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think what's hardest is, uh, you know, my opponent Lynch. Um, yeah. You know, he just magically gets all the sign. We could have gotten on the ballot easily, but he, he yeah. gets all the signatures he needs to get on the ballot. How did he do that? Did he send teams out to work during coronavirus? I don't know, but I think what's frustrating about this is the people willing to do the right thing here are the ones that, by definition, are not going to get elected. And mm-hmm. I just, I think that's frustrating. So anyway, That's how I feel about so
0: many things in this election. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yep. yes, true story. Yes. All right. Well, that kind of leads well into our topics today because we have some great topics. We're going to be talking about AMC and Universal Feuding. We're going to be talking again about Animal Crossing. But first, we are going to be helping Brianna find a new
1: computer.
2: Because <laughs> Yes, but also, yes, but also Brie, we want to hear your take on the new Apple Magic Keyboard. Oh, shoot, sure. yeah. Top of I the show. I want to tell you
1: it's terrible. You don't have to spend $300. <laughs> no, that's an absolute lie. It is fantastic. I I've, <sighs> I've used my iPad sun up to sundown every day this week until the battery died. It is 10 out of 10 amazing. The keyboard's great. The Magic Trackpad is great. It is a must-buy if you own an iPad, and I could not be happier with it. It's so good. I am really thinking about getting a display (gasps) uh, set up in my office to use it with an external monitor, because that's how good it is.
2: Okay, so uh, help me understand this. Why would you get an external monitor and not just use an iMac or a MacBook?
1: But there's no reason not to, except for Apple Pencil support for SVGs. Graphic has gotten to be a pretty good thing. So the digitizer would be the only uh, reason right. to and, do and, that. Right, and
2: and I guess then like you know Sidecar, which is the Catalina feature that lets you use the iPad as a second screen. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm just curious. Like I'm not arguing with you. I just that's an interesting take. Like to hear that you would be interested in doing that. That just that's interesting. Since you have other Macs, like I yeah, guess I understand. if people don't have Macs
1: with it. I'm just saying it's really really good, and it makes like when I. Typed my um, when I typed my uh, withdrawal letter today. I wrote it on my iPad. It was a it was wow. very it was a joy to use. Uh, when I'm saying tweets, it's from my iPad. So I just I could not have more positive things to say about this. Typing is a joy. You'll find yourself using if your iPad has been in a drawer a lot lately. This really changes that, and it mm-hmm. becomes. Um, do you know like when you're um, playing video games, and you have YouTube going. This mm-hmm. is now what is sitting there. Yes. As that device. Do you so. have any,
0: I guess, thoughts on some of the the issues that were raised last week, like the weight of it?
1: Yeah, the weight is it's definitely very heavy. Um, um, you know, I I probably would not throw it in the purse. Uh you do get used to it pretty quickly, but it's absolutely legit how heavy it is. Um, you know, as far as it tipping over in your lap, it doesn't do that. The the viewing angles are a million times better in it. That's cool. Um yeah, do you know that Christy, you know this feeling. Do you know when you're laying in bed and you're trying to watch something on the iPad? And you can't get that keyboard to prop up at a comfortable angle to actually view it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. Yeah, this gone. it's, <laughs> it's perfect. So, um, yeah, this is a is a fantastic device.
0: All right, and now we've justified the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last week I wrote down in this document, or my weekly document, this episode, next episode is titled "Woo View." And I logged in today, and I was like, why the heck was it going to be called that? And then I remembered, oh, God, yeah, (laughs) it's because the freaking keyboard review, finally. Um, Anyway, thank you for that. Now, let's get into your life. You spent many, many, many hours filling your days running for election. Now, you have time to fill up, and you (laughs) would like to fill it with a new, powerful, powerful Max is okay, what I've so written down here. so this is
1: where I need Aunt Christina to give me some help. So, Christina, can you, can you help me out here? I am I, so
2: excited to help you
1: out. Okay. so one of the things, I've done research in advance, just, just oh, to be clear. Oh, thank God. Okay, so one of my my things, now that I'm going to have a little bit of time, after I finish morning the campaign, uh, which could be at least a week, um, I'm going to finally really bite the bullet and learn Unreal 4. Um, I'm not sure what I'm doing next, but, you know, I want to keep my skills current. So... Um, I need to get a computer that can run modern Unreal Four, and I'd like to stay in the Mac ecosystem. So, this really brings me to the the question: uh, My current iMac uh, is nowhere near powerful enough to run this. I've tried it; it chugs. So, um, you know, my options, and I've looked into this, is twenty thirteen trash can Mac Pros are ridiculously well priced these days. You can very easily pick up a twelve core one on eBay for under $2,000. And I've used those with Unreal 4 before. I know it's a good box. The other option is uh, uh, an iMac Pro. You have the brand new Mac Pro. And you have something like a, a Frankenstein Hackintosh. So, Christia, what did your research <laughs> uncover
2: here? Okay, so um, a Hackintosh is actually a decent option to look at. Really? And there are a number of... Yeah, at this point, people have gotten the, the systems down pretty well. If you go with the right sort of chipsets, and you go for the right compatibility, the one thing here is you're not going to be able to use NVIDIA graphics cards, but you're not going to be able to do that on a real Mac anyway. Right. So um, uh, uh, if you're using an Intel chipset, then you're going to get a lot more compatibility with things. People have been able to get it to work uh, with AMD, but that requires some more workarounds and more trouble than it might be worth for, for your circumstances. What I'm going to pause it to say, though, is that you should actually be looking at not the iMac Pro, but at the 2019 iMac. Um, spec out, and the really? reason being, yes, because that can go. We'll use um, the i nine, um, the Core i nine, which is eight core, sixteen thread, the ninety nine hundred K F. Now, that is not the fastest Intel uh, chip. That's the the ninety nine hundred K, but it's still very very good. And um, although you won't be able to maybe have some of the the thermal stuff that uh, you would have with like a Mac Pro, it's going to perform better. And in most of the benchmarks I've seen, it does perform better than the iMac Pro, which came out in in 2017. Hmm. Um, and when I'm pairing the the just the, the 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 pure like kind of like CPU benchmarks between. Um, the uh, the 12-core um, uh, Xeon um, from uh, late 2013, the E5-2060-97V2 um, uh, versus the 9900KF. Um, the 9900KF, so so that would be what would be in um, the, the, the highest tier, like Mac Pro from 2013. The i9-9900 is 60% um uh, better um in effective um speed 62% better in effective speeds and it's says um, single it,
1: core or multi-core?
2: Uh, both actually. Okay. So so when, when you go up to eight cores it's fifty-four percent faster. Um it's sixty percent faster at four cores, it's sixty five percent faster at single cores. So um it's because it it it's a much newer chip. So I, I would actually say that I the one thing I could tell you definitively would not be to buy uh, a 2013 um, Mac Pro, unless we're literally talking like it's $1,000. <laughs> At that point, it's really? worth considering from a price-performance ba- basis. But if, it, but if you're spending more than $1,000, I'm going to say for your purposes, no, put the money towards um, a, a, an iMac.
1: So I'm looking here on the Apple site right now, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but for the 27-inch non-pro normal iMac, Uh, the, I see it comes in a eight core, uh, specification and that's the highest you can go in the normal Mac.
2: Yes. Okay. So it's eight core 16 thread, but this is, this is still an i9. So, um, so, so Intel, it doesn't make right now, like, like AMD has, you know, like 12 core and 16, um, core, even like more consumer processors, they have 12 core anyway, the 3900 and the 3950, um, X, but, um, they don't have. Intel doesn't have that right now. Intel is actually, unfortunately, getting their ass kicked by AMD, um, and uh, I mean, it's just a fact. Uh, from a processor standpoint, Intel is getting their ass kicked, and actually, it's even worse on laptops. The AMD newest laptop chips are insanely good uh, price performance ratio. Like it, it's sad. Um, uh, it, you can get like a, a five hundred dollar AMD laptop that is will perform better than than a MacBook Air. Um, and and almost as well as like a you know sixteen hundred dollar um, uh, Intel like Dell XPS thirteen but anyway um, yeah so it, it's eight cores but that's the first time they've ever had eight cores in the regular iMac you right. had that option in the iMac Pro but because Intel made um, a, you know with the, the ninth gen they were able to um, get the nanometer size smaller they actually this is when we saw the six core you know MacBook Pros and the eight core um IMAX. So 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 this is a big deal. Cause like for instance, the the IMAC that I have, and I, I think that yours is a similar configuration. Mine is just quad core. Um yeah, and, and it's mine the is 2017.
1: I5, POS, I think I spent oh, okay. 2000 dollars on it. Yeah. Three years my, mine ago. is not yeah. that.
2: Mine mine is mine was completely maxed out for that time. But so but mine was so it was an I7 completely maxed out um with you know hyper threading, but it's still only quad core. So this is going to be, um, you know, four more cores, eight more thread, uh, yeah, um, eight more threads, and um, so it's going to be a significant um, uh, performance um, jump, and it's going to perform better um, than than that Xeon. Um,
1: so let's talk through. We, there are two high end Apple options. So we mentioned the iMac Pro. Let's take that one first. So um, the iMac Pro starts at, if I believe, it's five thousand dollars. So the yep. base model of that gets you eight cores. Uh, one terabyte SSD, which is a pretty expensive upgrade on normal iMac. And it gets you the uh, Pro Vega 48 uh, graphics card in it, which I've looked into. It's not great. It's no. it's a really good card. It's not hyper awesome, but it's a pretty solid card right there. Um, so, um, and I priced this out for you to get a an iMac with, the same steps, the specs as far as RAM and SSD drive, that's $4,000. So, um, it's it's, it's
2: 3449 So you would upgrade the memory separately. Um So if you just get it with the okay. 3.6 at okay, um, ninth gen. Yeah. Okay. And then buy the, that
1: from OWC or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah,
2: yeah. this is actually a big advantage of getting an iMac versus an iMac Pro is that your RAM installation is going to be much easier. It's a door versus... The ridiculous rigmarole you have to go through to upgrade RAM oh, on I didn't um, know an this. iMac Pro. What do you have yeah, to the, do
1: on an IMAX? You Pro. have to
2: basically take the whole back off. Really? Um, it, yeah, yeah. They don't have a. It, it's it's um, it's technically user upgradable, but it's in no way the same. Like they don't have the door anymore. It's a completely different process. Oh, so um, uh, you know the, the advantage is obviously you get two more um, Thunderbolt um, uh, ports, uh, Thunderbolt three ports, and it has. Um, you know, uh, the 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 Xeon is going to be, you know, a, a a workstation processor. But again, I think at this point you're comparing it, to it
1: and that's and that's important for what I do, which involves it, leaving it, it running at max for hours at a time, uh, you're, like you're a right. light bake. That's right. Huge.
2: You're, you're 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 right. The the only thing I'm going to push back on is that it's a 2017 Xeon versus right. uh, yeah. a 2019, you know, Core i9. So that to me. You know, like dollars to donuts, I honestly think that you're better because with the one terabyte, with with the Radeon Pro Vega 48 um, and the one terabyte SSD, um, you're looking at $34.49 before taxes and Apple Care. So you're still coming in $1,500 below um, what you would be spending on um, uh, the, the iMac Pro, which I would say, like, if the iMac Pro had updated specs, I would be more in favor of of entertaining And There's that. a
1: rumor they're about to do that, by the way. So, yeah, there,
2: there, there's a rumor for for the for the iMac and as well as iMac Pro. And so, if either of them got an update, I would say I would be looking at that. But at this point, if it were my money, I would not buy an iMac Pro right now. I just wouldn't uh, because I don't think there's any benefit.
1: Let's talk about the Mac Pro, and then I want to jump back to iMac Pro for a minute. So. I've looked at the Mac Pro, and theoretically, I should be the one professional out there that can use this. Simone, uh, Vox did a great piece, hey. passing the, uh, the Mac Pro around yes. your office and saying, hey, can anyone here use this? And the answer was no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then they said, you know what? We could have just uh, recycled, I think it was uh, Dieter's piece from, uh, uh, from 2013, um, <laughs> reviewing the exact same, same thing. So I've looked into it, and you know it is true that um, Unreal uses the multi-core setup inside of it better. Um, there are not reports of huge performance gains for people using Unreal 4 on the Mac Pro. So um, it's a really great machine, but just spec-wise, for you to get it comparable to uh, the iMac Pro, um, you're looking at like $8,000, and some of the stuff in it is... Like locking um, your your there's a proprietary key I have USB uh, 1.0 key I have for HEDIS. Um they actually have that port inside the machine where no one will see it, and it 's all hidden around. I love those details, but you just can't justify spending eight thousand you know plus dollars on a computer like that so I mean, would you agree, christina, that that's just not an option unfortunately, especially because i 'd have to buy a monitor too
2: yeah you well, yeah, you have to get a monitor and it's it's not i mean look, I think that it's 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 not like a bad um System. if you're doing the right thing. I think the bigger problem is, is like what software is going to take advantage of it. And like, that was basically the Verge's conclusion was this is a very powerful machine that none of the software we use takes advantage of. And so if you're not having software that's going to take advantage of that stuff, like, you know, hardcore, and if you're going to have to spend $8,000 to get there, I think that it's hard to make an argument that it's worth spending more than double, um, you know, uh, not before you even get the monitor involved. Um, to to do that. You know what I mean? Like I think that that's yeah. a hard thing to yeah. to say to be totally honest. So yeah, I mean it's hard. I mean, I think that that obviously you can configure the um you know the uh the the iMac Pro um more broadly uh in, in some cases too, but yeah, I mean I I'm still thinking that iMac is is going to be your best bang for your buck option here.
0: Before we go into the big conclusion, can I tell you guys that <laughs> yes. this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Eero? Oh, my God. They're Yay. great. We love Eero. Wi-Fi is the worst. It's so frustrating. But Eero is Wi-Fi that your home deserves because you need fast, reliable Wi-Fi wherever and whenever you need it. Duh. You know why? You also deserve it. Ha ha. Eero blankets your entire home with the Wi Fi reliability you want, eliminating poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering. Bye. See you never. With Eero, you'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it to be. Including on the toilet. I they didn't put that in, I said that for no reason. And for a limited time, Eero's mesh Wi Fi system starts at just seventy nine dollars. So now is the time to upgrade. Eero sets up in just minutes. It plugs right into your modem or router box and you manage everything from a dead simple app, which even lets you pause the Wi-Fi for dinner if you're that kind of person. And it also alerts you if any device attempts to join your network. Yes, we love to see that kind of security. Bree. Yes, take it. Give me a riff riff on me. It's the
1: best product ever period point blank. It's amazing. It's easy to use. It's secure. I've never had any headache whatsoever with this. It's a slam dunk. This is the Apple of Wi Fi devices. And there's no reason not to buy one.
0: With Eero, there'll be no more Netflix buffering in the bedroom. No more, co- no more complaints of Xboxes with a bad signal. No more worrying that your security camera will be offline, and no more stuttering video on your conference calls, which we're all experiencing right now. i getting, I, I don't know—some. I know some coworkers who need this. from today specifically. Eero has fixed my Wi-Fi woes, so let it fix yours too. You can have this fixed as soon as tomorrow. What? If you go to eero.com slash rocket and enter the code rocket at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order. That's eero.com slash rocket code rocket at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free overnight shipping. One last time to get this offer. Go to Eero.com slash rocket and use the code rocket. Thanks so much to Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's take it back to the conclusion <laughs> okay, of this okay, week's just, Powerful just, Max.
1: What what thing I just want to say, Christina? Um, so the work I do from long experience, I've learned more. cores is better. It's always better. It, it is just tremendously helpful for this particular. Kind of work, and I'm already assuming that I'm gonna have to budget um like five six hundred dollars down the road for an external GPU. If people don't know this, uh, if you have Thunderbolt 3, um, you can plug in an external GPU box uh, with modern graphics, it's very, very easy to do. You can actually feed that to go into the, the iMac or the Mac Pro and have it. Um, like speed up uh, everything internally there. You can use it with the external monitor. And when you're using Maya, you always have two or three monitors. So I'm just assuming I'm going to have to do that down the line. I think what attracts me to the Mac Pro, um, A, if I'm honest, it's this cool black color, which I think is cool. (laughs) Um, But B, there are refurb versions of it on eBay that are really priced pretty well. Um, there, there are a ton of eight-core versions of it, uh, thirty-two gigs of RAM, very comparable in spec except for the um, except for uh, the i nine, and you can get that for about three thousand two hundred dollars up to four thousand dollars. Okay, and when you get to four thousand, this is with um, it's refurbished, so you get three years of Apple Care from the go, and then you're talking about a twelve-core machine. So to me, I when I'm thinking like my last Mac Pro, that is a machine I've used for a decade. And it is it I've gotten every penny I want from it. So right. if I'm thinking about an investment that kind of like twelve core machine for like four thousand dollars. That seems like a good investment to me.
2: If you, if you could get a twelve, if you could get and it, it's a ten core, it would be ten or fourteen core. Right, Hi-Mac ten Pro.
1: core. I missed yeah. If
2: you could get the ten core for four thousand, and it would have you know warranty, I think that's worth looking at. As you said, you can always have the external um, GPU, and I think that at that point you'll have the 32 gigs of ram and that's that's going to do um a, a pretty good job. So if you could find um you know a refurb that that is in good shape for that, I I'm I'm in favor of that. If you're if you're talking about spending new, I do still think at least until we see if there is an option um you know if they obviously be better if they had an option um if they were you know coming out with an update rather than not an option if, if an updated uh either iMac Pro or iMac came out then that would be even better a, an updated iMac Pro would be ideal that yeah. would be that would be like kind of the perfect scenario otherwise if you could find one sub $4000 i do feel like that would be probably your best bet yeah. um that that's what i'm going to say i think otherwise if you're talking about spending new money i i just i have a hard time justifying you know kind of a a you know $1000 plus delta uh $1500 plus delta between the two machines right now um since the the spec wise performance like there are some uh, performances where the the uh, the regular iMac wins there's some where the iMac Pro wins it's basically a draw yeah. so at that point to me i i you know i i look i get the the appreciation for the color as well <laughs> but it's hard for me to say in you know the, the middle of 2020 buy a 2017 machine like that's just a hard thing to say
1: Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I do. I do. Okay, well, I'm going to let rocket listeners tell me what you think, but I think you sold me, Christina. I think I'm going to just max out an iMac. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, And we will have the woo view of that once you do. All right. Our next story is a Twitter feud, not a Twitter feud, a business feud, a million dollar feud between Universal Studios and AMC. So, in speaking to the Wall Street Journal, Jeff Shell of Universal uh, said, "Trolls World Tour, that new Trolls movie, which every parent <laughs> who is in quarantine right now has probably seen," <laughs> he said, "Hey." That movie did great. Let me pull up the actual quote so I can say it and not just paraphrase like a dum-dum. Um, he said, The results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the ability, a bi- the viability hoo, 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 of paid video on demand. Uh, he said that to the Law Street Journal in a piece. In response, AMC said, We will no longer play universal films in our theaters.
2: Well, um, no. And again, specifically, no. <laughs> they... Uh, no, you, you missed you missed a very important thing because he said that because it had exceeded demands, they would start to look at. Using another model and basically implying that they didn't need to release things in theaters anymore—you missed a big, a big thing there. Sorry, go I on.
0: Disagree with that, though. Also, let me correctly say what AMC said. They said it is disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. They wrote in a statement. Um, Universal has not responded to that yet. Uh, as you can tell, Christina and I have differing opinions on this. Uh, frankly, I'm not sure. I don't believe that that implies what you're saying it implies. I think what they're saying is that for certain movies, like, for example, something the the sequel to a movie that did not do well in theaters, that is a children's movie that's being released during quarantine. It makes more sense. To release it on something like Peacock that Universal has a, a stake in rather than at AMC. I don't think they're saying that, for example, the DC films are going to simul release on PVOD and in theaters or even just on VOD. I don't think that's what Universal is saying at all.
2: No, what they're implying though is that they said that you know, um, you know, that PVOD has long been like kind of a, a goal of theirs, and that as soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. The problem with both formats, and this has been uh, a, an outstanding and long-standing problem between the uh, major studios and the theater chains, is that essentially, they um, are wanting to kind of pick and choose. In the old days, kind of how it would work is you might have like direct-to-video films if it didn't get like a major distributor, or if something, you know, kind of was, maybe you did have at one point kind of a a major distributor, but it, it, it kind of lost at the last minute and was on the shelf for a long time. Then suddenly an actor becomes popular, and they're like, oh, we can make money off of this, so we will put this out directly to video uh, sometimes you also see you see you know uh, some co-production deals but usually Netflix is the one who's doing most of the distribution you know for things with Netflix Disney has also run into uh, problems with the theater chains when they've said we are going to go straight to our own platforms you're not wrong when you say that it makes total business sense for Universal to want to do that The problem is um that kind of you know for, for years they there have been there's been kind of a, a, a lot of back and forth and um, a lot of tension between the theater chains and the studios and it's the the way that things have always historically worked and the way that there's even some legal um, uh, uh, rationale around it going back to the United States versus Paramount, which is the, the, the case from uh, 1940 or 41. Um, there's a, like a lot of legal precedent about how distribution can work when it comes to, um, exhibition. So if you're a distributor, like, is that the one that broke up the studios monopolies on theaters? Uh, sort of, um, that there were a couple of them, but that was one of the big ones. So basically studios used to not be able studios are, are not supposed to be able to own theaters. There've been a couple of times when that has, ceased to happen post Paramount, but the Paramount decree basically was about um, a vertical integration, basically saying you cannot own the entire supply chain. And it does very much look like that's kind of what Universal is wanting to say, which is we have we are the distributor as we're releasing things, but we're also the exhibitor with Peacock, and we are going to be able to choose just how we do things. Oh, but we also still want to, at our purview, release things in theaters um, and 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 deal with the traditional exhibitors. So I can understand where the traditional exhibitors are saying, oh, absolutely not. If you're trying to cut us out and pick and choose what you can, um, you know, put in on, on our screens and then try to to use our screens and our trailers and our, and our facilities and other things to promote your other products, we're not going to allow that. It, it's, it's all or nothing is basically what the theater chains want. See, I don't, I
0: really don't understand that at all because for the, in this age of blockbusters, it is so so difficult for movies that aren't of large franchises to get to get enough attention in movie theaters. Like movie theaters are suffering for reasons other than the fact that the yes. studios aren't sending them enough movies. So it does not make sense to me that the movie theaters would, in response to that, in AMC specifically in this situation, in response to that, would say, um, okay. Movies aren't doing as well in theaters as they used to. Don't give us your movies. Take them away from us. Like, why Why would they want...
2: It, it just does not make any sense to me <laughs> in any world...
1: Them.
0: It's
2: posturing. It's posturing on both sides. It's posturing on both sides. Like, let's be very clear about this.
0: And the other thing is that I don't think. I mean, I I know you have an opinion about what Universal is trying to do here, but I really, I AMC is suffering. Obviously, I'm very, very sympathetic to the fact that AMC is not making any money right now because theaters can't be open. um But this just this feels like such a huge overreaction to something that is yes. completely logical on Universal's part.
2: Well, no, because it's because they said it to the press and it's because they're implying they don't need the exhibitors. And as I said, this is tension that But they're goes never going to
0: release a, bl- a true blockbuster on PVOD because it won't make
2: as much money as it would in theaters. Right. Okay. But, l- but l- let me finish what I was trying to say first, because this is very important. Universal is absolutely posturing here. And every reporter, and I'm sorry, but I'm including the virgin in this. I'm including um, every outlet that wrote about this uncritically that says, oh, you know, Universal made more money in three weeks of PVOD than they did in, you know, three months or five months or whatever uh, when the first film came out. I'm sorry, but those reporters are f- idiots and don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they are absolutely bad at their jobs and have no concept of what they're talking about because – I'm sorry. It's the truth because you're not looking at things in any way with how the industry actually works. You are saying that, okay, we get an 85 85 to 90% cut from something that we're selling in a pandemic when we have a higher average selling price and we're taking this in this period of time and we're going to compare that profit to all of the international ticket sales all of you know the, the the global releases and other things. What we would have with the traditional release, it's BS and it's posturing. And Universal claims that they are making this profit because they want to prove to people, oh, this is a valid alternative, and we could actually make money selling tickets this way. What what, what they fail to kind of realize, and look, if this is the direction the industry wants to go in, that's fine. But it's going to disrupt a ton of people's jobs, like a ton of people's jobs. Is that w- I would, I would be very surprised if you see any sort of rental market whatsoever for trolls, too. Um, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the parents have already rented it. They, the kids have already seen it. Um, you're more than likely going to have very little, um, you know, uh, digital market penetration for that afterwards. Now, that might be okay with Universal if they're going to, you know, sell the rights to, um, you know, Netflix or, or to, you know, if they're going to play it on Peacock or if they want to give it to HBO or someone else. Fine. But um, they're, they're going to be losing out on the home video market almost entirely. So that's number one. If you cut out the, the theatrical aspect, you almost certainly cut out the, the home video market, which is not as substantial as it used to be. It's fallen by 50% in the last 15 years, but it's still a big portion of things. The bigger thing, though, is you lose your international box office because the way that you distribute these things, um, PVOD, um, largely misses the international market entirely. So I think that it's complete posturing for Universal to be like, "Oh, look at how much money we made on this." When a the circumstances are completely unlike anything we've ever seen before, and b uh, also you're not going up against anything. There was literally no competition, you know, in, in this space. And b you're you're discounting the fact that you're losing not just your international take but your home video take.
0: But I think it's the point that this situation is so different because they're holding movies for this summer. The things they're releasing are Troll's World Tour, which as I said is the sequel to a movie that was had lackluster reception and I think the Artemis Fowl movie is the other one that they're putting out which uh, yeah has I don't mm, no buzz whatsoever. So they're clearly picking they're not picking the winners to release on video. I think they're right. picking the things that have
2: low expectations, which makes sense. Of of course. And all I'm going to say is I don't necessarily think that AMC is right here, but I can understand their perspective where they're saying you don't get to pick and choose. It's either all of it or none of it. You don't get but to pick why? and choose what you... Because legally, that's how it's always been because of, because of vertical integration. I mean, this genuinely does raise very, very serious questions about does this violate the Paramount Decree? Because mm-hmm. if you are saying that we can pick and choose what we distribute, which was a key part of the Paramount Decree, because what used to happen was when Paramount owned their own movie theaters, they would refuse to give their films to other chains and they would also make deals that said, if, if you want to have your movie in... You know, our um, uh, theater. Then you have to pay us this sort of percentage, and we're obviously going to have better deals for our own product. But if other theater chains wanted to carry our product, then we would make less good deals, and and say, okay, you can you can't sh- you can't show the Fast and the Furious. Uh, you can only show Trolls too. They would kind of do the inverse, you know, to push people towards their product. So in some ways, I can totally see where AMC is like, wait a minute, you know, for you know, um, 70 years for 80 years, almost, you know, we've been, we've had this situation where, um, this has not been allowed. now you're saying you get to pick and choose. If you want to use our facilities, if you want to advertise what's coming up on, um, you know, previews, if you want to, um, you know, take advantage of that experience, why should we like, why, why do you get a choice in that? Like, to me, it seems like, you like and and the easy solution here is that Universal could just have a different distributor. They they could just put it under a different distributor banner to do direct to Peacock stuff. Like it doesn't need to be under the big Universal banner if that's how they want to get around it. Like that's the sure. easy solution. But I, I just feel like I understand. I I agree with you in the sense that it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for you know AMC is already struggling so much this is posturing on both sides. Like I said, this is Mm -hmm. both people trying to use leverage that neither of them has, because the reality is, is that AMC saying we're not going to play fast nine is a problem because that is at this point, one of the only, you know, like whenever that comes out, I'm sure this will be resolved by them. Like I feel very strongly it will be completely Mm -hmm. resolved, but you know, I mean, that's a big problem for universal. If, the number one theater chain in the U.S. and one of the bigger chains globally is saying we're not going to play your theater your, your films in North America, the Middle East, um or um Europe. Like that's a big problem. That yeah, I
0: agree with you on the international box office stuff. I disagree on um parents renting kids' movies like Trolls two or buying uh, those after the fact because I think I think that's not how I I think kids having seen Trolls two once and liking it that doesn't mean they're not going to watch it again. That's not how kids watch movies. They watch movies over and over again. It's
2: not, but but I think the difference, though, and, and this is what I'll say on that, is that at this point, kids have access to so much content, they, the parents can just wait it out until Trolls 2 is on Peacock or is on Netflix or is on whatever. You know what I mean? So the impetus to actually spend $20 or $15 to buy it is way, way lower. Um, and, and, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why digital sales... Have fallen substantially anyway, but I, I really do think that it's going to be a very hard thing to say. Yes, we got people to pay twenty dollars to watch this once. We're going to be able to get them to pay another six dollars to rent it, or another fifteen to twenty to buy it. Like that's honestly, that's not going to happen in a lot of cases, especially since you know those those releases like Trolls is going to wind up on a streaming service. So you know it, it's not going to be. It, the trolls too, it's it's not frozen. It's not something like that where parents will buy it anyway. And in the case of Frozen, you know, Disney released that to Disney Plus early. Disney, it's interesting. They've been, they've had to be really careful about what they've said about how they'll be doing direct releases to Disney Plus because they've also run into and it hasn't got to this point because Disney owns, you know, Hollywood at this point. Um, but there has but it has kind of come into the point where like there have been tiffs with with the major exhibitors and and with the National Association of Theater Owners where they're like, well, wait a minute, like again, this vertical integration thing is is starting to make us feel weird. Like, I understand your perspective 100%, and I don't necessarily disagree that it makes sense. Like, look, it totally makes sense for Universal to have this bifurcated effect. But I also feel like I do get the perspective of the theater owners who are like, no, you don't get to pick and choose. It's all or nothing. And I will say they're both posturing. They're both like, neither of them really have, They they need each other. Like, this mm-hmm. is the this is the, the, the this is the <laughs> ultimate thing. Disney, you could maybe make the argument doesn't need the theater chains. They have a direct relationship with audiences that no other studio has. Universal does not have that direct relationship, um, and uh, they need each other. They hate each other, but they need each other. <laughs> they they fight. They fight the in the love hate relationship. I, I said this in our group chat. I was like, my dad, my two dads are fighting. That's how I feel. I'm very upset uh, to see them fighting, but also. They're gonna make up, this is gonna be resolved the same way that these things are always resolved, you know. But it's just it's I don't know, the drama's interesting.
0: You know, Bono actually wrote with or without you about AMC and Universal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it was obviously released so many years ago, but he is a very prescient man. He yes. um, Can, can let's I say move something on.
1: about this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, please, no, you please, please, please. <laughs> okay, okay um my my one takeaway is i agree with you christina i think you're right (laughs) really (laughs) she said it all i don't have to say anything all right
0: (laughs) uh wow um do you want to intro this next one brie
1: (laughs) what's our third topic i don't even oh oh simone (laughs) simone So so okay I promise we're probably not going to cover Animal Crossing again for a while. Or really? Nook goes and murders someone but <laughs> but simone i'm, I'm, I'm
2: had, not agreeing with that first of all okay
1: okay okay <laughs> simone had a video amazing 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 damn video that came out this week where you went <laughs> to talk to a professional telling you how to apply interior designing principles to your animal crossing home and it's damned magical so Thank tell you. everyone about this yes um, who i
0: drank a bit of water so now I have to burp but I'm gonna try not to um I went and talked to Diana Buds who's the story producer at Curbed and has written about interior and exterior uh, design uh, for many publications and uh, we talked specifically about interior design because as I was trying to lay out my Animal Crossing house I realized that some of the design principles that I have read about for you know real life seemed to apply to my house, so I decided to talk to a professional to figure out if that was true and what else I could do in my Animal Crossing home to make it look real good. Um, Turns out that was totally legit, and it works. And so I, I called her up on Skype, and I basically asked her a bunch of questions about decorating small spaces, because in Animal Crossing, you start out with a very, very just small, basically, studio um, and then it gets slightly bigger and then gradually you add more and more rooms to it. But those rooms are always square-ish, square or rectangular, and they're pretty small. So I felt like those principles kind of applied across the board within the house, especially since each room kind of feels like its own world rather than part of a one big home Um, So like, you know, in your own home, you would be decorating to make a cohesive home that you're moving through in space. But in Animal Crossing, you're really just working with one square at a time and making a little world. So I called her up. I asked her a bunch of questions about decorating studios. And then I awkwardly flipped my laptop around, held my switch up in front of my laptop camera, (laughs) and we decorated my house together and (laughs) basically went through some seven, seven odd tips of interior design and it ruled and I made a video about it.
1: Help, help me suck less at this. What do, what do normal people need to know about how to decorate their animal crossing house or their real house? Cause I also suck at decorating this.
0: Heck yes. I think for me, the things that made the biggest difference were not putting everything against the walls and just finding ways to make ironically smaller spaces within your small space Because I think that's our instinct when we get into a room is, well, crap, all the things I own are square. They have flat edges. The wall is one big flat edge. I'd better put everything against that and then I'll have all this space. But when you do that, what you get is a room that's lined with stuff and then a big empty space that has no like rhythm to it. (laughs) And then you feel sad. Um, So the most helpful thing for me was just conceptualizing how I could pull everything out from the wall and make like little clusters of furniture, like basically scenes um, corresponding to different things that I would do in the home. Um, So whether that was sleeping or whether that was sitting at a desk or whether that was like a little dining room table, just how, how does this space want to be used? And then I somehow making a bunch of different spaces made the entire room just feel more purposeful. Um and that, that that to me was I think the biggest the like the biggest concrete difference that it made in the space.
1: How did you pick all your colors?
0: I well <laughs> 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 This was kind of I had a peach chair that I believe a coworker gave to me. Um and it the peach chair is pink and it has green legs. And at that point, I realized, because you can customize certain furniture items in Animal Crossing, I loved the way that that looked. And I had a lot of plants. So the green was kind of represented. So I started I started trying to find what other pieces of furniture I could customize to be pink or um, a warm wood, basically, uh, adjacent to pink, um, to kind of see those colors reflected throughout the space. And then... <laughs> Then I was a coward. This is covered in the video. I had a <laughs> what was it? Herringbone floor and a blue and white striped wallpaper. Yeah, that was so nice and bright. And Diana saw it and she was like,
2: "No, no, <laughs> no!" She she, she she was like Jungle Fever.
0: Like she said Jungle Fever, Simone. And I said, Diana, how did you know? Um, and I pulled up my powerful Jungle Wall. <laughs> There's this jungle wallpaper in Animal Crossing. It's one of the first wallpapers I got, and it's absolutely flipping exquisite because it's just full on jungle scene with like plants and trees and all kinds of nonsense. It's so loud. And I put that up and she was like, you know what? This does make your space look better. And I was like, thank <laughs> you for validating my worst <laughs>
2: aspects. That's so funny. Uh, but no,
0: there's a I reason it it. though. I
2: and you looked so cute I, and I loved you um using the the different backgrounds like within um your video for yourself Thank like, that was you. a really cute, that was a really cute touch and i've I've actually started to use some of those principles as I've been like designing um the islands uh, on my switch and the different island on my switch light
0: now did you are you really starting
2: over on one of your islands is that I'm, th- really I'm thinking? Happening? Of, I'm thinking about it <sighs> I, I so 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 I need I need you both to tell me yay or nay. so don't do it.
1: <laughs> Not unless you really really think like uh the people on your island are jackasses well like, that's kind
2: of the thing yeah. I kind of I kind of I like some of the people but some of the people I'm just like I hate you so much and now that I feel like I have like a really good like place for like where the mechanics are and how to do like layouts better like there are so many things I would change now knowing how the game would evolve but the the big problem of course is if I start over and I like go back in time like five weeks and then grind, like, that's so much work. It is. And the people
0: are all going to move out anyway, eventually. Right.
1: Right. See, this is how I made peace with it. First, like, I made the terrible mistake of allowing uh, Bardo to come to my island. And oh. you know, like, this smug jerk. I hate Bairdo. And then eventually I came to realize that you know, Bairdo is but he's my kind of Right. And, and I embraced the bear, though. So I I made peace with them. And maybe you could just try to understand your Animal Crossing neighbors better. I I, I, I
2: hate Timbera so much. She's the worst. <laughs> she's the absolute worst. She's a sheep and she's terrible. And I hate her. <gasps> and she will not leave. And she's she's snooty. And which which to me is like worse than like the, the smug. Like Olaf is. A total snob, but his place is fancy and he's at least kind of a dandy. And I'm like, all right, fine. You're like, you know, <laughs> I, uh, like, ridiculous and I love him. That's what I'm saying. Olaf is great. Like I'm I'm never letting Olaf leave. But like Timber just won't get out. I don't know. I'm I'm just it's complicated. But but I have been taking your your decorating advice. Okay. So I feel like I'm hearing from both of you that it's a bad idea to start over. I think you will regret
0: it as soon as you are faced with going through all of those cutscenes again.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. What I was thinking about, though, and I realize that this is totally cheating, but so I bought like a physical copy of the game so that I had the physical and the digital copy. And I'm hoping that I can set them up so that I can make the two things talk to each other. And if that's the case, Ooh. I would just give all of my good stuff to my other island. And then if I started over, at least I would still have like all the furniture and, you know, wallpapers and stuff that I could like yeah. grab back. Yeah, you'd have it where it counts. So I don't know. I'm I'm am I'm, I'm still thinking about it, but now I'm I'm thinking about it less. Also, I need to make a correction because when I went on my rant about the reporters who covered the the Universal trolls stuff uncritically, I mistakenly said The Verge. Um, uh, uh, covered that that way and I just checked in, and they did not and so my apologies to The Verge <laughs> um, who I, I think it, the, the article might have been changed substantially but uh, it, the, the way that it was if I read it either it did not exist or it was changed substantially in any event I was wrong I apologize The Verge was not one of those outlets who reported completely uncritically on um, uh, Trolls' box office or not box office but PVOD um, uh, you know take without any sort of criticism being like oh this is so great great many many places did and those are the people who yeah, are real heated do. about trolls here yeah for real so i just wanted to just point that out I, I i don't want it to i didn't want to have you know be on record as being incorrect so
0: <laughs> sorry uh all right wow that was our dessert brianna what are you up to this week
1: cheetos
0: cheetos, cheetos and far cheetos. cry oh how could you <gasps>
1: No, really, I'm... I- I'm going to gorge on video games like, (laughs) like, like I'm Tom Hanks coming off that island and Castaway. Like I'm just gonna, (laughs) I'm just gonna play as much as I want, and it's gonna be great. And honestly, I'm gonna try to. You know, it's it's tempting to just jump into new projects or whatever. I'm gonna spend some time and get my head on straight. This is three years of my life, and you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a. To spend some time mourning that. Yeah,
0: so. I agree, Christina. What are you up to this week?
2: Uh, well, first, Brie, take all the time you need to to mourn and to refresh and recover. And we love you and we support you oh. and and genuinely like you're the best. And so my thoughts are are with you. And like, take all the time you need, whatever you need. If you need to take time off this show, whatever, like, we got you. Um, and as for me, I'm, I, I've am i been running into tech problems like No Tomorrow. I'm hating computers right now, so I'm trying to figure that out. I'm still doing the work-from-home thing. I finally ordered another camera, which I should get on Friday. So I got a, a Sony a6400, which is complete overkill for what I need. But it was just difficult for me to justify. Like, I was like, if I'm already going to go in this much, I should go ahead and just, you know, get the better option that I can I can have for, you know, a number of years without having to to upgrade anything, and so this way I should at least be able to to stream from that camera without things overheating like they do on my r x one hundred mark five a and so uh I have to clean my office. my office is ridiculous um it's it's very stressful so i', I I'm dealing with computer tech issues and uh trying to to set things up issues. And, and um, oh, uh, Microsoft Build is going to be online uh, May um, uh, uh, 19th through the 21st, so uh, that's going to be a fun thing, and I'm going to be hosting Build Live like I have in the past, but this time we will be doing it, um, you know, uh, remotely, we will be doing it, um, uh, I, I think, from uh, the studio will be social distancing, you know, but um, from a production standpoint, it's not one of those things we can really do from home. So, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going into um, getting um, Microsoft Build ready, so People, if you're interested in, in attending, it's uh, registration information will be up um, soon and uh, it'll be free. So, yay.
0: Yay. Um, keep us posted on those dates. And for me, I'm just going to continue working from home. I'm editing another video right now. I'm learning a lot about uh, the working with a, an at-home green screen, which is very, very fun. For Yes, same. It me. is
1: fun. No, yeah. it's it, the lighting.
0: <laughs> lighting
2: is a, is a is is the most oh, fun part. Yes, yep.
0: it's definitely the best part of it. Um, and then fixing your lighting in post is the second best part of it. That's what I like about it the most. Um, <laughs> but it's getting better all the time. Um, hey, wow! Thank you for listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, please do hop on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I super appreciate everyone who's done that. And we'll be back with you, of course, next week, this episode of Rocket. Yeah, I can find me online. Wow, I'm online. So, guys, Guys, let me tell you the thing that I tell you every week, which is where I'm online. And you can find me there at Doom Quasar. Brianna, what about you?
1: You can find me uh, on the Twitter machine at uh, Brianna Wu. Yeah, I don't have to plug anything else, which is amazing. Yeah, Woohoo.
2: <laughs> And Christina, what about you? Uh, You can find me on uh, Twitter at Film Underscore Girl. Uh, Instagram, the same place. But honestly, I'm not using Instagram because I don't always wear makeup or... (laughs) put on clothes and so <laughs> yeah that no one does makes, that anymore <laughs> so that makes instagram like a awkward place to be um and uh but you can find my videos uh, for work that i'm doing at youtube.com slash microsoft developer had another one go up um uh, uh, at the beginning of this week and um i'm going to be doing this kind of like every other week um until we're more back to normal but still doing things from home so yeah film underscore girl is where you can find my um my tweets excellent
0: And uh, the podcast is terminated.
2: (laughs)
1: Terminated. Terminated.